I'm Trisha, and I am the CMO at Drift, and you are listening to CMO Conversations. My goal with this podcast series is to help marketers learn and grow, adapt, and keep up with all of the change that's happening in the field of marketing as we move from what I call the demand gen era to the revenue era and the demands that have changed on marketers along the way. If you're a CMO or you want to figure out the right path to becoming one, this is the podcast for you. And I'm excited that I have with me today, Sydney Sloan. I've been talking to Sydney for a while about getting her on the podcast, and I don't know why it took us this long, but thank goodness we're here. I worked with Sydney uh, years ago, and she has an illustrative career in marketing. She's been 16 years at Adobe before joining Jive, then Alfresco, and now at SalesLoft. And she's a CMO at SalesLoft, which I think is unique because as a marketer, she is marketing a product to sales. And one of the big changes in the revenue era is getting closer to sales. So we'll talk about that later. I think you have some great insights on that, as well as the customer journey, the metrics that we use for measurement. So let me turn it over to you, Sydney. Maybe you can give us just a high level of your background and what people should know about your role at SalesLoft. Well, it's great to be here, and I'm excited to uh, finally make it on your podcast. I've been wanting to be on it as well. I love listening to it. So my role, I'm the chief marketing officer, but when I think about what my primary role is, I'm a leader first. So I take my role on the executive team very seriously and making sure that I'm aware of everything that's happening in the business and how best marketing can support the business. So working with finance, I mean, Steve and I, my CRO are like in every meeting. I just came off a meeting talking about our customer success organization. So I really work hard at being a partner in the business first. And then the team I happen to lead is marketing and they're a, a fantastic team. So that's how I think of it first. And so would you say that then one of your big contributors to success is the focus on being a leader versus being a marketer, let's say? Or is there some other thing that you would say is your superpower as a CMO? So I think, yes, leading first, leading and being aligned. Definitely as a as a go-to-market leader that runs the marketing function, I think the one of our first jobs is to identify what is our go-to-market strategy and then how do we align the organization to execute against that strategy. And so I think that is one of my superpowers is really understanding the market dynamics, but also the execution orientation of how do you actually go from identifying market opportunity to actually driving revenue within that in that opportunity and ensuring that all the players along the effort are working in conjunction. I'm just really lucky that my CRO is and I like so in sync. And I know that's unique, right? I, I joke that I've had probably 20 tours of duties with different sales leaders over my tenure. And sometimes it sinks and sometimes it doesn't. And I think as people are going into the CMO role, your relationship with the sales leader is so important. When you're interviewing in companies and they say, what do you expect from marketing? And if what they say is leads, that wouldn't work for me personally. Like if they say I want to go to market partner, that's totally what I'm looking for. And I would say that, so that's it. Like the understanding go to market. And then the second one I think is just passion and energy. And, you know, I just really care about people, the business, our customers. 
And I've always been very customer centric, customer first. And it reminds me back of my days at Adobe when we used to go on sales calls and getting to like be in the field with reps, living in their shoes day to day and understanding really how tough it was and what they needed and what they used that we created or what they didn't use that we spent time creating. So I think spending the time with your sellers and understanding what they need, how you're supporting them and how you can continue to do better is another great way to stay aligned with the the sales and marketing teams. Yeah, I love that you really highlight this connection with the sales leaders. I'm fortunate that our sales leader is excellent and this morning was introducing our two sales leaders together. So lots of synergies between us and between our sales leaders. I truly believe, and that's one of the things I try to get across in this podcast series, that marketers need to sign up for revenue. And in sort of the new world that we're in, which has just been accelerated with the past year that we've been through, we're in a digital economy. We're in a place where, you know, we have to make low touch into high touch and just being focused on leads is not enough. Like you have to look at this experience. You mentioned working with the CFO. You mentioned working with HR. I think this is one of the critical transitions for marketing is that marketing really plays this role as being a hub in the success of a company and it translates into the go to market, but also into your employee experience, et cetera. You've been at Salesforce for three years and the role of CMO in general in three years has changed a lot. Like, can you talk about how or if your role has changed over that time being at Salesloft? Oh, it definitely has. I mean, we're one of these awesome stories of growth as Drift is. And so the market has changed. Our role has changed. And so I would say I'd highlight two things. The first was the need for differentiation in a very competitive marketplace. And so in looking and go to market and trying to find differentiation, because I was a buyer before I worked here. And so I went through the process and I understood and it was like, wow, how do I pick? It was on sales experience, frankly. As marketers, I believe we need to drive for differentiation. And so how our market view influenced the product strategy to create that differentiation where now we're winning, we're A, able to offer a broader platform, more solutions to our buyers. And then that also created differentiation. And I see that as marketing's role in working with product and sales. Is there a specific role within your team that helps with that? Yeah, for sure, product marketing. And so we're responsible for identifying the potential growth levers for the company, evaluating that, presenting it, bringing analysts in and getting their input as we're helping to cast the vision for where we want to go. And then working with product on aligning to what they're hearing from customers, because they hear more of the customer voice than, than we do in the retention side of what our existing customers need. And then as a collective leadership team, making those choices and then executing on that. So I would say our product marketing team is responsible for identification and quantifying those opportunities. And then the leadership is tasked with choosing which ones to go after. And it's hard because when I started three years ago, we had 14 different go-to-market strategies and we ran a quarterly rhythm. And that was fine when, you know, we're a 180 person, $20 million company. Now that we're bigger, we have to make bigger bets because the company can't pivot that fast. And so keeping that alignment based on data and, you know, we've evaluated all these things. So we went from the 13 to the three and we've kind of kept on that rhythm since then. So That's one thing. I think the other thing, Tricia, is like if people are in a role where you're going after new market segments, how do you continue to shift 
marketing support. So it's kind of continued to shift year and year and where we were primarily an SMB company running a pretty fast sales motion. And as you add an enterprise, that motion changes and how you support sales changes. And so we run a hybrid funnel. So we have a, a strict inbound funnel that does the primary amount of driving for our commercial business. And we brought the inbound SDR team into our team. And we saw a 230% increase year on year in our inbound opportunity creation, which is fantastic. It feels really good as a marketer to contribute like that. And a 50% win rate, which is really, really good. <laughs> um, I know. I'm like, yes. So I think that's one thing. But then the motion is different. So we built a different funnel for our enterprise team. We have a different supporting function and created an enterprise marketing team that just works with our enterprise because it's it's totally ABM, right? It's totally account-based strategy, not just ABM, account-based overall, and identifying the tier one accounts and running programs and partnering our account-based marketers with the sales teams in, in terms of setting up that ratio of support. So that's an evolution that we've gone through. And so, yeah, running a running a dual funnel, continuing to extend the team to be in partnership with each part of the organization. So each part of our my marketing leadership team lines up to a revenue team, the commercial team, the enterprise team, and the customer success and retention team. And so we're building yeah. our strategies and support for each one of those revenue groups. I love chatting with you because we're doing so many parallel things. It's, it's really interesting. You know, one of the things you just started to touch on it here, for like the customer success team and the alignment with that. You have built as a core of sort of mantra of your career, this concept of the customer and customer marketing. And you have shared with me in the past that you have a saying, smart, happy customers, you know, help you grow and buy more. And I'm wondering if you can talk about, you know, you talked about product marketing being a part of influencing the product strategy, but I mean, a customer strategy and putting the customer at the center, it's not just product marketing, it's everything in marketing. So how do you view that and incorporate it into your marketing strategy? Yeah, there's two ways that I think about our marketing. One is the customer journey, and I'll park that to the side. We can maybe come back to that. As it relates to my favorite mantra, smart, happy customers buy more. I, I mean, I think I kind of learned it the hard way. And and for those of us who've been around a long time, they'll remember like, oh, we're at the end of the quarter. We don't have our number. Let's go call all our customers and ask them to buy more. And guess what? Our sense of urgency and end of quarter does not constitute a reason for our customers to buy. Having run that fire drill earlier <laughs> in my career, I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. I mean, I know you need revenue, but that's not going to how it has to happen. And so we came up with this concept. And really what it means is you have to educate your customers. So smart customers, the first thing you have to do is educate them through all of the programs that you put in place. So uh, that's partnering with the, the training organization or targeting admins on how to get them certified or end user adoption of the platform. I love tools like Pendo, right? So we're thinking about what is it that we can do to train, especially in our world. And you face this, I'm sure, as well, where you're having to retrain your customers all the time. The tenure of our user is under two years. Yeah. And so we're constantly needing to, you know, you can't just go implement and walk away. It has to be an ongoing relationship. Well, yeah. And hopefully I think the other thing, I think that's a big deal thing for our customer bases is if our customers are successful with our solutions, they're growing. So whether you have this turnover or not, people are probably doubling the sizes of their teams that are using our products. Yeah. By the way, my team told me this morning, they love using Drift. It's super easy. So uh, congratulations on, on <laughs> that. We, we um, can still do more training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I agree. And and as the products get more complex and you add more products, the use cases, you, you have to continue to start breaking down. One of the things that I really like doing is I've done this a couple of times now after I took on the customer marketing function, you have to think of your existing customers differently than your prospects. And what I mean by that is like we identify personas, right? We know who we're tar- targeting to try and make them a customer. You have to do the same thing with your existing customers. So in the onboarding phase, the people that actually bought the product are probably not your primary contacts moving forward. So you also need to create personas and roles for your existing customers. So you, A, you know you have them in your database so you can communicate to them. B, you're keeping track of it. And then C, you're running programs against those different roles because an admin needs different information. And but at the same time, not losing touch with the original buyers, right? Because the original buyers are probably your chief advocate or your economic sign off person. So maybe they're not involved day to day anymore. But guess what? When it comes up to renewal and other things, you don't want to be like going back. Oh, I haven't talked to you in two years, but hey, we should engage you again. You know, the same to your end of quarter drive money problem. Yeah. And also the revenue decision maker. And so how do we think about them? How often are we talking to them? What, how do we market to, or how do we communicate with them? I, I wouldn't say market. Once they're a customer, I say communicate. I like to say communicate. And then you have to, again, we're running an enterprise and a commercial business. And so you have to kind of think about how do I do that in a way that's personalized and relevant in a one to few one-to-many model in commercial versus a one-to-one in enterprise. And, you know, you kind of start simple and then you have to start kind of breaking those apart over time. Yeah. You talked before about how, when you started your role, I think it was at SalesLoft, the first thing you did was you did a customer journey map. And as much as we're talking about it being different for prospects and for customers, in the end of the day, I mean, the way I view it, and I think you do too, is it's a full circle, right? It's not like a linear line of one to the other and you're traveling through these different groups of people, but it's the full journey map ongoing. Yeah. I've done circles and I've done infinity loops too. You know, it's kind of like, how do you get them? And then, and then you're continuing to sell to them and then they sell to your accounts. But I'm a big fan of customer journey. I think one of the nice things about being in marketing is that we get the opportunity to take being the advocate for our customers. And I believe we should understand our prospects and customers more than anyone else in the business. And then that means we get to partner with the business. And the first thing that you can do is design the customer journey. So mapping that out, I learned it from Rachel Happ years ago. She's kind of one of the originators of the customer journey. Customer Bliss is the name of her company. And so as you map out that journey, And what is it the customer wants from us? And you identify the moment of truth in each of the different stages. And if you were just to do that one thing, it would change the perception of the customer for you. And my favorite place to start is in the first 90 days. It's a make or break time. So I think that's a great place. And if you don't do it, they're more likely to churn. So they've just gone through this awesome buying experience with you and then they get handed off and then they're educating the new CSM. And and so you've, you've got to fix that first window and maybe it's even 30 days. We're talking about seven days now in helping customers realize time to value in a very short window, even if it's a really small thing, just get those quick wins 
So you get the validation that they chose the right partner, the, the technology is implementing well. We do a thing called a graduation score as well. So I think there's a part two of holding your customers accountable to their success. I love that. And so where does that handoff happen? And so really examining that first 90 days is super important for the long-time value of that customer over time. And it's also a good rallying point. I mean, as a CMO, if you're coming in for the first time, what a better way to understand your company, how you're organized serving your customers, the challenges your customers face, what they want from you. So you can have that broad view of like, okay, well, where can I start to help make the most impact for our customers and ultimately the company? Yeah. And I think it's also a great place to kind of feedback information into how you're marketing to attract customers, right? I mean, if you learn what's happening in the first 90 days and hear XYZ is not working, we delivered a message and now people are absolutely deflated because they haven't seen the value of that message. You have to go back as a marketer and say, what am I saying in my end user, like out in the market, building that awareness funnel, et cetera, because it, it really does make a difference. And I think hearing from the customers is just as important as let's say hearing from your salespeople of what's working and not working. Yeah. And what I love too is these new peer review sites. So, I mean, G2 and Trust Radius haven't been around that long, uh, Gartner Peer Review Insights. We can curate that as a new voice of the customer program. I mean, if you're a big company, maybe you have voice of the customer program, but if not, just go look at your peer reviews, read them right there. That's where you can get the input. What do they like? What do they wish you did? I have a person on my team who owns Voice of the Customer and we're not a big company, but I think the value of aggregating what's being said, whether it's in these review sites or in the sort of one-on-one interviews that you have with your CSMs, et cetera. And then again, like marketing playing that role of kind of informing the whole company. It's a really powerful thing and it helps everyone, marketing, product, sales. I mean, we're kind of aggregating it into every department. Are they also running your NPS and customer survey stuff? Yep. They're partnering with the product team now. So it started as just listening, then demonstrating the value, then showing that if we have this value, maybe we could increase and mature our NPS program. And now um, working with product to be the group that brings in the sentiment from the customers on what's working or not, feature requests, et cetera. So that instead of that being feedback to product in a vacuum, that it's within the context of all the other things that we're hearing across other channels. As we talk about listening to customers, it really kind of comes back to me on the audience. And we spoke about how it's unique to be a marketer marketing to salespeople because it's almost hard to say that you're a marketer marketing to salespeople because the I don't want to be marketed to radar is so high. But you've also marketed to developers. Um, you marketed to more like enterprise business buyers. What's your takeaway from marketing to all of these different buyer types? I mean, there's different strategies that work for different people. When you listed that whole category, boy, did I learn the hard way how not to market to developers. Uh, You think salespeople's uh, sniff test is high, developers are the highest. (laughs) And, And so what I've learned over the years is that people buy from people they like, people want to hear from people they like. So as you think about who you're marketing to, using people like them, so the way that we fixed the developer problem is not like it wasn't my job to market. It was to partner with the developer evangelist team on putting programs to help them be elevated. So writing a book with one of the developers and a really famous influencer or uh, running a posse workshops. And, and so I could use my technical logistical skills and communication to support the evangelists. Similarly, at Salesloft, right? So we've we've got influencers and evangelists and so many sales communities out there that we partner with. 
where our goal is to elevate the sales profession. And so I have to think about that first. And then as much as we can, like all our content, I have our sales team read before we publish it out. We we run partnerships with all of our cadence building and content messaging between the teams. And so, you know, I just think using your own resources to make sure it passed the sniff test is important. And, and I made that mistake, frankly, coming in all on that one. I hired an agency and we went out, we did a big rebrand and ta-da, and you read the website. It made no sense to any salesperson. And we didn't, <laughs> I totally blew it. I did not have sales in our working group. I did not have sales validating before we pushed it live. We were running on a deadline and I missed it. So I won't make that mistake again. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really good lesson. And I think whether you're marketing to developers or salespeople, I mean, the majority of companies that we're working at as CMOs, or if you're not even a CMO, but you're just a marketer, but you have these people in your company. These are fundamental roles that exist in almost every company today. And so it might be one or two people, but really like they're right there in your company. So getting them to like, give their point of view is really helpful. I've even done it where, where nurtures are from that person. And so they're a real person in the company. They help us write it. We might do some promotions with them. So aligning a champion inside your company or externally with your personas and using them and their voice and, and their public persona as the, the interaction between that. I did that at Jive with our community leaders and that worked really well. That's a really cool idea. I don't think I've ever done that actually, but I, I like that idea. And it, You're doing it's it also right now. Kind of a, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like it that we talked about how we, we can be this hub and helping to influence out, but it's also a little bit of like, okay, what's your skin in the game, right? And so it's not just marketing pushing out and trying to be a partner with everyone else. It's like, how do you actually have that partnership back and, and help people help you? Because I think the diverse perspective, it always helps. Another example would be if, if you're going to market vertically, well, you hire an industry expert from that vertical and then you work to promote them as that person that's going to influence. And so um, I, I think it can work in any go-to-market motion. Yeah, and I've definitely done that before. So thanks. Makes me feel better. One of the things that I think is great and for me personally, it's very fulfilling is working with a solution that adds true bottom line value to the buyer we're going after. And I think that's one of the things with SalesLoft, you're empowering the CRO to be more effective, to then hit their goals at a faster, easier pace. And uh, that I think is great in terms of being a marketer and, and really helping to like hone in on true value to a company. How do you think that the world is changing in terms of the tools and solutions that are helping, let's say, a sales leader or a CMO reach that value. Ten years ago, the only solution we talked about for for these kinds of things was marketing automation. But you know, now there's so many more tools. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe sales tech is where Martech was seven years ago, right? Where you're now able to apply all this innovation that's happening in the technology landscape to the problems that sellers are facing. And so there's a digital transformation, marketing transformation, sales transformation thing going on. What I love is like the marketing and sales kind of transformation is, is starting to happen more and more as marketers and marketing tech companies are realizing that you got to connect the dot with sales because it's the closest path to revenue. I mean, frankly, yeah. right? Like that's what we want to show is that impact to revenue. Salesforce, and you work there, so you know, did a great job of helping to build a platform and a foundation for which to kind of capture all of the sales activities. I don't want to say all, what people would input into it, but at least it provided a place for everybody to say is that single source of truth. And now what we're seeing is 
the, the one value that sales teams have is their time. That's it, right? Like, so when you think about a professional economy where it, it is the salesperson's time, how do we find ways to make them more efficient and effective? And efficiency can come through workflow automation tools, being able to structure things, their day, their time, automating certain parts of what they used to do manually. And there's just huge lift in that across the board, especially when you think about what percentage of investment is spent on the sales organization. So if you can reduce salesperson's manual activity levels by five hours, like we we did a study where we reduce 20% of the time when you put in sales loft, you get a 20% efficiency gain. That's another day of selling. That is immediate value. And then the effectiveness looks at how your organization is performing. And you always talk about A, B, and C players, you know, and how do you make your B players A players? Or And so being able to provide information to sales leaders around the effectiveness of their teams and having tools that kind of plot out like, Here's the teams, here's where they're performing against the benchmarks, and then being able to drill down to see where can we provide coaching? Where can we maybe look at sales stages and run more training to people? Or maybe there's a team that's struggling. And you would have to manually create those views before, probably in Salesforce or some other third party. And now we're being able to pull all that together. So we can look at all of the tactical things they're doing. We can look at how they're doing it and then bring that information back to sales leaders so they can better manage their teams. I, I mean, I I think it's game changing. I'm smiling because I love listening to you talk about this back to our early part of the conversation, knowing your audience. It's obvious that you really know the audience and, and what matters to them. I think if you just went to a general marketer and said, oh, okay, what are the things that matter to sales? They would say making their number, but they wouldn't realize, oh, 20% of the team typically makes the number. And if you want to be more efficient and effective, you got to reach that middle, like like you said, B player become an A player. But the B player is, you know, when you were in college looking at like the bell curve that you need to be to pass your class, it's like, that's the B player in a sales organization that you want to like rise to the top. It's the largest part of the curve. So, you know, I just love listening to you talk about it because it just shows that you have such a passion for the audience that you're marketing to, but also being a marketing leader who can partner with sales because you can't partner if you don't understand your stakeholders as well. I want to maybe ask you uh, two questions because I have one follow like Last question I always ask everybody, but before we get there, we talked a lot about partnering with sales, but then we talked a lot about customer marketing and customer success. I'm wondering if you have key metrics that you look at and how are they different from more of like the new business funnel to the post-sales funnel? And do you have any consistent metrics across the board? So we run a joint pipeline meeting with the revenue team and we have a combined revenue team. So we have a CRO that has sales, renewals and retention. And in that meeting, we basically follow the funnel. So we talk about pipeline created metrics, which primarily marketing and the outbound team are responsible for. So we'll look at it in terms of volume and pipeline. So how many SQLs, we use a term called SDO, but how many SQLs are we generating? And then what's the pipeline value for it in terms of being created in the quarter? Yeah. And then we look at pipeline coverage, like that's the next chapter. And so it's like, okay, what's our coverage? How's it span across teams? And then we look at our retention metrics. So what's up for renewal? Where are we at? Where are red accounts? Like, and so we have that all in one meeting every other week. It's my favorite meeting that I go to because it really allows us to look completely at the business 
I love getting involved in red accounts. Like if I have a contact that I've worked with 10 years ago, who's a sales leader, like I'm all over it. Like I'm calling that person and I'm in there. And that's fun as a marketer in this role that I can be so involved with the customers. I enjoy that part. We look at pipeline. And then from a marketing perspective, of course, we have to look at, I always say, I am a steward of the company's investment. And I take that very seriously. The CFO loves when I say that. <laughs> um, but I do take, I take it very seriously. My goal is always to be spending 101% of my budget. I want us to spend just a little bit more because they've given us this money so we can contribute marketing's part to the organization. And so then I need to show him how I'm being efficient with that. So the other metrics that we look at is like program efficiency, spend, ROI, CAC, all of those things. We always can answer the question that he loves to ask and our board, you know, if I were to give you another million dollars, where would you spend it? And I need to know how to answer that question. So I I do look at our marketing dashboard and efficiency frequently. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you guys have this in one meeting. We just recently moved our post sales experience underneath our CRO and we're calling it the uh, field go to market operation now instead of the sales organization. I mean, no, no CS organization wants to work as a part of the sales organization. They want to be like a first rate citizen. And so I think this is a big trend as well as we look at life cycle and, you know, in this, what I call the revenue era, it's not just about new business revenue, because if it's all leaking out the bottom, I mean, no one's succeeding. We want to make sure that we have that full cycle of new business, adoption, expansion, renewal, everything in accountable to one person, which makes it much easier to make decisions. And owning the relationship, frankly, I mean, that's the cool part too. It's like one organization that is completely owning the customer relationship from beginning through the lifetime. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, this has been a great conversation about the role of marketing in sort of driving a business, whether it be identifying the market or partnering in new business, partnering in post-sales. Why well, I always like to close the episode with the same question. And hopefully we shared this with you before so that you're ready to answer it. But what is the number one important lesson that you think you've learned in your career that you would share with our listeners? Team one, that was the game changing lesson for me that changed kind of my career trajectory. I was a very competitive person. I grew up with two older brothers playing sports in a highly competitive household. So I always was competing with my peers on my product performing better than theirs or whatever. And and what I learned was that team one is your peer group. And as soon as I stopped thinking about them as competitors and and there were my collaborators and how we work together and now how I approach coming into new companies where the executive leadership team for me is my team one. And then how we come together as a marketing leadership team and manage our team is the second part. And so that's been the biggest because it really teaches you the importance of building relationships across the organization, how you can support them. And that's what has helped me become more strategic leader in the company because I, I look at it all. I don't just stay in my box. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped me succeed in my career. Yeah, I think there's a part of your marketing career where you realize, okay, you're not just an individual contributor that's doing one thing in a little island, but that you can have much more success as you partner with others to kind of rise the tide. But then also as you start to look at broader stakeholders and broader connection to like company-wide initiatives and goals versus just your sort of like little microcosm of a goal. So I think all of those things play into that. And I think anyone that gets the great fortune to be in roles like ours, you realize that your first job is leading people 
And your second one is knowing how to market. And so being a great leader and understanding how to motivate and inspire and and handle challenging situations. I mean, I'm sure you do as well as I spend a lot of our time doing that because we're, we're trying to build and grow leaders and teams and empower and do all those parts to build a healthy and effective organization. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I always emphasize to people when I'm mentoring them that as you grow your career, you have to say to yourself, am I passionate about leading and putting a larger part of my time toward leading than doing and being the one just strategizing on a specific segment of what it is that you do in your role? Because I think that really is the critical component. And I always emphasize with my leaders that they probably need to think about the fact that they have moved up in their career and they need to start thinking not just about how are they leading their department and their team in terms of the tactical tasks, but how are they leading and making and clearing that path for that as well. So I really love that. And I think it helps to lead to successful teams, which none of us are successful if we don't have a successful team overall with the employees in it. So this has been a great episode and I want to thank you for being a part of CMO uh, Conversations. I want to thank the listeners. I want to remind people that we really do watch for your thumbs up and your six stars, five stars, whatever it might be on your platform. And so we hope that you will share CMO conversations with as many people as possible and um, help us to reach a broader audience. So thank you, Sydney, for being here today. I know we're going to bring you back for another episode. And so I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Sounds good.